This morning, if you would like to open your Bibles to Psalm 139, we'll be to that passage here in just a little bit, talking about it. Uh, My purpose this morning is to talk about heaven and share some things that God has taught me as I've studied the subject. Uh, One of the things that has helped me so much is to understand the first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, and then to understand the last two chapters of the Bible. And uh, we hope to look at some of those uh, this morning. You know, when, when you're studying heaven, it's like looking through a peephole in a fence. Uh, you can see a little bit, but you're not going to see the full picture. And this morning, I want to help you and ask us to look through the peephole of Scripture and understand it. Uh, we won't take time this morning to go, go into all the... Uh, imaginations that some people have about heaven. Uh, I've talked to people and told them they need to trust the Lord so they can go to heaven, and I've had people tell me, look, I don't want to spend my future on a cloud with a harp. And that's their concept of heaven. Sad. And there are just so many other false uh, imaginations of heaven. But God has revealed in his word uh, what we need to know about heaven. And one of the big things that every one of us has got to grasp and that God sees everything he does through an eternal lens. Think of that. You and I, every project we start, we think, I hope, maybe this will work. God knows about everything from eternity past. He knows about everything in eternity future. So when God does something, for example, we're going to talk about God designed you, he made you, he put you in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Before there was even an earth, God knew all about you. He had put you in his book of life. That's what Psalms 139 teaches. And more importantly than that, every person here this morning, God has an eternal purpose for your life, for my life. Can you imagine that? A couple of weeks ago when I preached, I told you what a downer it was to listen to James. When James says, what's your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. This morning, I want to give you the the good news, the big news. God has an eternal plan for every human being's life. And you know what? Your eternal destiny and my eternal destiny are intricately tied to Jesus Christ. Every person you meet, 
every person here this morning will live someplace forever. Why? Because the God who made you has an eternal plan and an eternal purpose for our lives. In Psalms 139, it's talking about the forming of us as human beings. And in verse 15, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secretly and intrinsically woven. And another way to say that, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, and the days were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. God knew all about this. He knew all about your life and my life before the foundation of the world. Now that's big, isn't it? As you think about it, think about how Jesus Christ was described in Revelation 13:8. He was called the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Ephesians, Paul tells us in that first chapter, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And then he goes on and says, according to the good purpose of his will. Think about it with me for just a minute. Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God knew all about eternity past. He knows all about eternity future. And he makes the earth. Not only did he make the earth, but he made the heavens. And you and I blow that off so simply. Do, do you know the latest star that scientists have found in our universe is called Canis Majoris? They sent a rocket up. They put a telescope on the rocket. Ah, there's a new star. It's huge, and it, it's only 4,900 light years away. Did you hear that? And God made the heavens plural. All the stars that we see are part of God's plan. Now think of the vastness of it, and then think of what God did. He made the earth the only place in the universe man can exist. And he makes a special place for Adam and Eve to live. It's called the Garden of Eden. And he puts man there. Now, he did all this for what purpose? So he could fellowship. He could walk and talk with mankind. Now, he had the angels. They were made before the creation of this world, sometime in eternity past. But God made the earth, 
and he put man on it to fellowship with him. That's the first two chapters. We don't know how long that wonderful relationship went with Adam and Eve and God. But we know that sin entered into the world. So someplace between chapter 2 and 3, Satan fell. He messed up God's creation. And we find some very interesting verses in Scripture as you follow this through. Death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. God's perfect creation, and Adam and Eve could have lived forever. Sin messed it up, so death passes upon all men. You remember Daniel 12, 2 says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. We know that. We know one of the things that if we live long enough on this earth, we're going to die. We're going to be put in the grave. Listen to what Job said. Job 19, 25 and 26. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he shall stand on the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. In my flesh I shall see God. So life, death, was something they understood in the Old Testament. If you want to get a better grasp of that, what happens to the Old Testament, uh, people in the Old Testament when they die, read Luke 16, 19 through 31, the account of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died, went to the lowest shield, a place of suffering. Lazarus died, went to paradise or Abraham's bosom. And the they couldn't get back and forth to each other because there was a great gulf fix between them. That's the Old Testament. Believers went to paradise. Unbelievers went to a place of suffering. Then Christ arose from the dead, and according to Ephesians uh, 4, 8 through 10, Christ, it says, who descended first, then ascended. He led captivity captive. He took paradise to heaven because we know in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was stoned outside of the city of Lystra, and he said, I know a man about 14 years ago, whether he was dead or alive, I don't know, but he was caught up to the third heaven, Paul's talking about the experience he had. And he was, saw things that he couldn't even talk about. You see, God 
not only designed you, God not only has a purpose for each of our lives, but when people die, some people are foolish enough to say it's over. No, it's not over. It's just getting started. In the New Testament, Paul said some of these things. Listen, Second, or 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, we see lightly, like through a mirror, but very soon we're going to see him face to face. Philippians 3.21 says, who will transform our vile, our, our lowly body into his glorious body. 1 John 3.21 talks about our citizenship, talks about what Christ will do, and he says, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. And then John says in John 3, uh, he says, we, we will know that when he appears, we see him. We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, what does, how do we understand all that? The simplest way to do it is look at the resurrected body of Christ. Think of this. Christ is the God of eternity, and he humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of a man, a helpless baby, and he grew physically in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Christ has a physical body, when he was on earth, uh, he consumed food and drink. After the resurrection, he was able to walk through the walls where the disciples were meeting. After the resurrection, uh, people hugged him. After the resurrection, he held his hands out and he says, Thomas, feel the holes in my hand. People couldn't identify him until he removed the scales from their eyes. The two people walking along the road to Emmaus. All of a sudden, Christ is walking along with them. And when he opened their eyes, they understood who he was. He was worshipped. And he bodily ascended into heaven. So, that's the body. Every one of us are going to die. If we stay in the grave very long, we're going to get an, a new body. It doesn't matter. And if you've worn this one out before, you're going to get it fixed. We're going to have a new body likened to his glorious body. Now, what's going to happen before all this ends? The rapture of the church the completion of the mystery of the body of Christ, the literal return of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ and Matthew are in Revelation, when he, the skies open up 
and he comes, he's going to come back at the end of the seven years of tribulation and establish his kingdom. He'll rule for a thousand years on the earth. He'll judge Satan uh, once and for all after the thousand years. He'll cast him into the lake of fire. And the great white throne judgment, turn to Revelation 21 if you would. You, you look at Revelation 20, 21, and 22. You see all these end time events, the uh, great white throne judgment in 11 through uh, 15. And then you see Satan uh, being defeated finally and once and for all here on the earth. But I want us to focus, if we could, on that 21st chapter, and I want you to think through uh, what our Lord is saying here. Peter, if you read 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, he says, uh, verse 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promises, and then he talks about this earth melting away. Uh, he's, God's showing him what's going to happen to this present earth, and heavens, and he says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, plural, and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What's the point? God's going to make another place just like he did for Adam and Eve, and men... You and I are going to dwell on it. An interesting word. New heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. That simply means the object was there. In Genesis, nothing was there and he made something. Now the object's there. And when he changes it, he's going to change it and it'll be better in quality, and it will be different. So none of us here are going to know what the new heavens are going to be, or the new earth. We just know they're going to be better, and they're going to be different. Look at verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 3. He said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Where does God want to dwell? With man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, for God himself will be with them as their God. Friends, the great thing about the future after the great white throne judgment, then God creates the new heavens, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, and he is going to dwell with man. That's going to be our new home. John described it this way in John 14. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go to prepare a place for you, and Jesus says, I'll come again and receive you to myself, 
And then he finishes up there in verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now I want you to think with me just for a little bit. Can you imagine the new heavens? We haven't even scratched the surface of what we call outer space. That's God's. He's going to recreate that. It'll be better, more beautiful than it is now. Then the new earth. It'll be different and better and more beautiful than it is now. And the new Jerusalem. Uh, heaven will provide a galaxies of exciting opportunities to glorify God and what he's done in heaven and in earth. In Revelation 21.9, listen to this. Then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of seven last plagues, and he spoke to me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb, and he carries me away in the spirit. This is John getting the information God gave in the book of Revelation. The spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven from God. God's on the throne. He sends the new Jerusalem. Do you know what size this place is? It's 14,000 miles by uh, 14,000 or uh, 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. High, wide, big box. That's called the New Jerusalem. And then Revelation goes on to say in chapter 22, the angel showed me the river of water of life. A it's as bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God. So God's throne's right in the middle of this New Jerusalem. The Lamb in the middle of the street of the city on either side of the river, the tree of life, the 12 kinds of fruits, yielding each month. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed. Sin will be gone. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and the servants will worship him. Then they will see his face, verse 4. And his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need of a light of a lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I've just touched on a few high points of what God's promised in the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, and remember, our God sees all this as though it's happened. And he's let us know 
This is what you have to look forward to. This is a part of our hope. And friends, there's more there than we can chew up. It's still that little knot hole view. We see a few things, but we don't know how it's all going to unfold. And I'll tell you, in Genesis, he created all in six days. And he's going to do this in the same time manner very quickly. A man named Samuel Rutherford, a preacher in 1600 to 1661, said this. It makes no much what way we go to heaven. It doesn't matter how we die. The happy home is all where the roughness of the way shall be forgotten. None of us will have to remember how we left this earth. He has gone home to a friend's house. When we get to heaven, we're looking for Jesus face to face. And the race is ended. Isn't that wonderful? When you look forward to spending eternity with Jesus Christ, there's nothing else that satisfies. Nothing else that will ever meet our needs. How real is Jesus Christ to you? And how real is your relationship to him? I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, we'll be able to hug him. We'll see him. We'll walk and talk with him. And he will be our savior throughout all eternity. What a wonderful savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope as believers that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you to be absent from the body is to be present with our Lord. And we thank you that you're going to resurrect our bodies out of the grave no matter what. And Lord, we thank you that any infirmity in this life is gone when we see Jesus. We pray now you would work in our hearts and in our lives and draw us to a fervent love and a relationship with Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, amen.